As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is Hugo Ferrer from Tantric, and you're listening to Fascination Street Podcast. I believe that everybody has a story, and I'm fascinated to hear them. So come with me as we take a walk down Fascination Street. Welcome back, Streetwalkers. This episode is with podcaster Chuck Shute. In this episode, we talk about why he got into podcasting, some of who his mentors are, and we talk about some of the hurdles that podcasting involves, some of the things that he's learned about podcasting, and some of the cool things that he's learned from his amazing guests. The Chuck Shute podcast is very similar to the Fascination Street podcast, and so I think that if you like one show, you're going to like the other. I highly recommend his show. I listen to it. It's a lot of fun. We do have a bunch of guests in common, but even those episodes are wildly different than each other because Chuck is a different person than I am. And so our interview styles are a little bit different and we're able to coax different stories out of the same guest. The Chuck Shoot Podcast, he's got over 215 episodes or something crazy like that. And he just hit his three-year anniversary a couple weeks ago. This is my conversation with the host of the Chuck Shoot Podcast, Chuck Shoot. Welcome to Fascination Street Podcast, Chuck Shoot. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing fabulous. How are you? I cannot complain my dude uh ladies and gentlemen this is chuck shoot y'all know him y'all love him here's the thing chuck shoot is a podcaster much like myself and we ran across each other doing podcasting sorts of things and i was just like you know what bro i've got to get you on the show and so it took i don't know 16 years no <laughs> little less than 16 years to get you on the show but here we are man Chuck, I don't know if you've listened to the show. I do know that you've listened to the show. But what okay. I like to do is um, I like to start out with where people came from and kind of grew up. It helps us understand how they got to where they are and turn into who they turned into. So um, where was I born and raised, man? Where did I grow up? No, you. Where did you grow up? Where were you born and raised, man? Yeah, I was actually born in Seattle, believe it or not. That's why I got the uh, Seattle clock here that... That only you can see because it's mostly audio of podcasts, but not mostly. <laughs> it's it's one hundred percent. Yes, right. So, but yeah, no, I grew, I raised in Seattle, technically for like two years, but we moved to a little town called Issaquah. So it's like a suburb. And when we moved there, it was like nothing. That we we had my dad got this house on a lake, and he's like, "Oh, this is nice and quiet. There's no traffic." And and then it just blew up. And uh, you know, the good news for that is like, you know, your housing value goes up a lot. But uh, the neighborhood changed, and so then we moved to a, a different house, same town. And I lived there my whole childhood and, until I went to college. 
My daughter recently moved to Olympia, Washington. Is that anywhere near there? Uh, that's about, I want to say, two hours away from where we live. But we actually had a small little cabin on this island called Harstein Island. And so we used to drive by Olympia every time we'd go to that cabin. And I remember, I'll never forget it because it, the Capitol building is there. And it's very it's a very distinct building in Olympia. That's pretty much mostly my memory of Olympia is that Capitol building. It's like a dome-shaped, you know, looking very official does it look like all the other Capitol buildings? Yeah, I think so. I think they're all the same. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. I, I went to my grandmother's house. This was uh, 15 years ago. And she had on like Jeopardy or some shit. And they flashed a picture on the screen of a Capitol building. And they said, what city is this? Or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's Austin. I know that. That's Austin. Because like Austin's the only one that has that fucking building. Come on now. <laughs> Jesus. But it was Austin. So. I mean, I was now, right. now you got me curious. Like, I'm going to have to Google why are all the Capitol buildings that same dome? They're all the same. You're right. It's weird. They are all the same. I think it's super bizarre. I mean, they, they might have a different statue on the top of each one of them. Yeah. But other than that, I feel like they got them out of a Monopoly game and they're all exactly the same. Yeah. I wonder if it's like a security thing or, the, you know, maybe it's like protects them or something. You know what? If I had to guess considering the egos of the people who work in those buildings, I would say that it's probably got something to do with acoustics and I will be heard. Damn it. Damn it. That's that's a good point. (laughs) Very good point. So, you know, it's like a great hall or whatever for orders. What did you want to be when you grew up, man? Oh man, that changed so many freaking times. Like I, I mean, when I was a little kid, you know, I was into like GI Joes and stuff. So it's like, I wanted to, I don't know. I want probably wanted to be in the army or be a policeman or, you know, I was into like watching action shows and stuff like that. So I, I wanted like probably some sort of action like that, but that didn't pan out. Gotcha. You said that changed all the friggin' time. We don't we don't say that here. Oh, do you want me to say fuck? Is that better? I, I would prefer it. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it changed all the fucking time. So, yeah, I think like and then so I just remember when I was a uh, uh, in high school, I took one of those aptitude tests or whatever. Remember those? Oh yeah, I remember those. <laughs> yeah. So number one on my aptitude test in senior year of high school was bricklayer, but number two was elementary school teacher. So. I really wanted to be like a screenwriter. I wanted to do something in the movies at that point when I was in high school. So I was really, I was really into music and movies. Those were like my two loves. I realized I took guitar lessons for like two or three years and I realized I fucking suck. Like my teacher was like so much better than me. And I was like, I'm never going to be as good as these guys. So I still had an interest in music, but then I started really, I worked at video stores and I started to really get into movies and I watched a lot of movies. And so I wanted, I thought maybe screenwriting was going to be the way to go. But my dad kind of steered me. He's like, oh, you know, your aptitude test had elementary school teacher. Maybe you could go to college and be a teacher. And so I just kind of like, okay, like, I don't know. Like, I took that path. And his whole thing was like, but you'll have the summers off and then you could write screenplays. Well, that never happened. So 17 years later, I got burned out on education. And then I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go be a podcaster. And that doesn't pay any bills, but it's fun. So you, you did end up being a school teacher? I was a school counselor. For 17 years. Oh, so you steered kids in the wrong direction. Yeah, I didn't even really get to do that, though. Like, that's the thing. Is a lot of people don't. Well, you probably kind of know if you had a school counselor. Like, every kid always tells me the same thing. Or when it, people, like adults, when I tell them I was a school counselor, like, oh, my school counselor didn't do anything. I'm like, yeah, that's because, like, we're always doing, like, paperwork and shit. Like, I remember one time, I, I always joke about this with my friends. Like, they literally had us stuffing envelopes with, like, letters to send home to the parents. I'm like can't you hire somebody else to do this? Like I literally had a master's degree in counseling and I was stuffing envelopes. So yeah, I didn't really get to do a lot of counseling. I did love it when I could do it. So my experience with counselors in grade school and it didn't matter. I went to a million different schools and they were all exactly the same. I would get in trouble for, I don't know, doing something bad, doing something fucked up in class. And they'd send me to the vice principal's office, right? Every single time. And whenever the vice principal was busy with some other hooligan, then the counselor would come out and then they would talk to me and tell me to knock it the fuck off and then send me back to class. That was my entire relationship with counselors for my whole school career. (laughs) They would just tell me to stop fucking around and get back to class. That's the whole thing they did. That's all I ever did. Yeah. It's too bad. Like, you know, I don't want to get political or anything, but there, you know, there's obviously some shit going on in the world today with mass shootings and stuff. And it's like, I just feel like we don't utilize our counselors in schools. Like we don't take mental health seriously. Like, and a lot of the principles I had, 
they don't believe in counseling or think it's valuable. They do. That's exactly what you said. Like they just want kids to go back to class to study. They want to, you know, boost their test scores. And they don't realize a lot of these kids are, are really disturbed, obviously. And so it's, it's frust It was frustrating for me because I actually got into it because I wanted to make a change. I, it was actually seeing Columbine in 1998, I believe it was. Seeing the movie or seeing it on the news? No, seeing it on the news. I was a junior in college. I liked psychology, but I was really going to be more of a teacher. But after that, I was like, I want to be a counselor. I want to get the kids that did Columbine. I want to like talk to them and help them through their pain and all that so that this doesn't ever happen again, but didn't work out. I mean, granted, no, none of the kids that I counseled ever did a mass shooting, but I don't think that I necessarily made a huge difference either. So knock on wood, bro. So after 17 years, you got burned out on that. And is it a secret what you do now for a living? What actually pays the bills or no? Honestly, like this is my full focus is podcasting. It's it's not paying the bills as much necessarily. There's there's a little bit coming in, but um, this is my main focus. I I Uber like once or one or two days a week, and that helps out. I just live pretty frugally, really. Like I, we don't have a lot of expenses, and so I just kind of live off the budget that I have. And uh, this is I'm able to kind of really focus on the podcasting Monday through Friday. That's ma mainly my focus. Did you say we? Me and my girlfriend, yeah, we live here together. Rock on. Did she become your girlfriend before or after you started the podcast and made this life decision? Oh, no, before, yeah. I, I don't know that she would have signed up for like, hey, I'm, I'm going to be a podcaster. I don't make any money. You want to be my girlfriend? I don't think she would have signed up for that. So what was her reaction when you were like, hey, you know what? I'm out. Fuck this school. Well, I think it was kind of a gradual thing. Well, she, first of all, she knew that I hated working in education and it, it was a gradual thing. Like when I started it, like I said, I was, I was really gung ho and I'm like, I'm going to change the world. And I was this young kid in my twenties and, and I just wanted to save every, every kid. I wanted to help every kid and save every kid. And I really had like a, a high energy for that, but I got burned out progressively more and more. But my girlfriend can tell you, like, I used to wake up in the mornings because that's the thing too. I never understood about schools. I am not a morning person, but for some reason, every fucking school starts at like seven in the morning or something. So I'd have to wake up at like six and I would just be like, so angry and be like, why the fuck am I awake? It's pitch black outside, but I got to wake up and go to work. And I know that's not good for kids. And I found out the reason they do that is for sports so that sports can happen after school. Well, I think sports should happen before school. Are you serious? Yeah, that's what I've heard. That's the reason? That's what I've heard. I don't know. but That's so weird. Maybe it was for farming. I don't know. Some dumb I thought it was for farming. Yeah, yeah. I, see, I heard sports too, but I think the sports should happen before school. So the kids that want to play sports can get up early if they really want to play sports and go play their sports. And then, and also that would make more sense in Arizona because it's hot as balls here. So in the mornings that you could play sports would be cooler. But anyways, uh, so she knew that I was like really miserable with so many things. So when I just decided, I was like, I'm going to quit. And then I'm just going to do Uber until I find something better. So I was do doing Uber for like a summer. I was right about to go to this like job fair. And they had all this like uh, media jobs and stuff like sports jobs and things like that. And I was really excited. Then boom, the pandemic hit. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay, well, now what do I do? And so... Then I didn't do anything for like, I don't know, however long that was. Everything was locked down, couldn't do anything. And then I just started focusing on the podcast. Like I used to put out like one episode a week and then I started doing like two or three a week, sometimes four. And I kind of just got hooked on that. And I just, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to probably give it like at least five years, probably at the most like 10 as a full-time focus. And then after that, I'll probably reevaluate and go, okay, is this making sense for me to spend a majority of my life on this thing? Or is this something more that's a hobby and maybe I'll dial it back to one a week? Gotcha. Back to the school thing and the farming thing. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, I think that, you know, back in the day when, you know, farming was the main focus of our culture. Yeah. I, I think that everybody had to do all their farming shit before they went to school, right? They had to do all their early morning shits. Yeah. I think the farming thing is for the summers. The kids needed the summers off to help with the farming chores, which obviously that's not happening now. Now they just sit at home and play video games. Indeed. Okay. So back to the podcast, the show is called the Chuck shoot podcast. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I know. Pretty clever, huh? How did you come up with that name <laughs> is what people ask me all the time. So why not? It's literally just my <laughs> name. Like, I think my thought process at the time was like, 
Well, I really like Howard Stern. I really like Joe Rogan. I really like Adam Carolla. And those guys just use their name. So I'll just, I'll just do the same thing that they're doing. It worked out for them. Of course, they already had a name to build on. So it would have been smarter to have built something up first. But um, I think it, it works out better because I feel like it's hard. Even today, I have to say, I had to, I had to like look. I was like, wait, Fascination Street. Like I know your podcast, but I'm like, what is this guy's name? I had to look it up. Steve Owen. Okay. All right. Yeah. Because like it, So it's just more things for people to remember this. This is easier. Just Chuck Shoot. That's the name of the podcast. That's my name. That's all my social media. That's a website. It's literally YouTube. It's everything. So it makes it easier. Unless people misspell Shoot, which probably happens a lot. I'm going to change the name of my show now. Thanks. <laughs> so why podcasting? I know that you were making a, you know, sort of a life change, a career change with the getting out of the school business. When did you start your show and what made you decide to go into this world? I think it's June 19th, I believe. It'll be three years. They made a holiday just for you. Oh, maybe it's not June 19th. Let's say June 18th then. Yeah, let's go with that one. Let's go. Let's, <laughs> let's say with a different. I don't, I don't want to steal anybody's thunder. But yeah, I think it was about three years ago. You know, I, heard, I listened to a lot of podcasts. And I think it was one of those things where, and this is, gonna, this is good advice for anybody that wants to do anything in life, is like one day you're going to see something or hear something and you're going to look at that or hear it or whatever. And you're going to say... I could do that better. This is not very good. Maybe like, you know, you're going to look at a bridge that looks really terribly designed and you're gonna be like, I could make a better bridge. I could be, I should be an engineer. You know, it's going to be one of those things. And for me, it was like listening to these other podcasts and I was going, not obviously like Rogan and Carol, the Stern, those guys, those guys are obviously very good at what they do. But some other ones where I was like, I heard and I was like, wait, this guy's like interviewing this guy like this big star and, and I'm listening to the guy stuttering and, and I'm just going, okay, I could be this shitty. I could be the at least this shitty. I could probably do a better job than this. I'll give it a shot. What the hell? What's the worst, worst thing that can happen? So, and then it just kind of took off from there. So when was that? Like about two and a half years ago, two years ago, something like that. Three years, this June, something. I, I think it's like, might be June. Let's say 20th or 18th just to be. Oh safe. yeah. You said, I'm sorry. I apologize. Hey, Streetwalkers, here's a word from our sponsors. Yeah, I'm not one of the dadgum historians, patsies, dreamers, and want to be on Route 66. I'm the real deal. <laughs> That's Harley Russell, the most colorful citizen of Eric, Oklahoma. He's just one of many characters you'll meet this season in Vanishing Postcards as we motor west cross-country on Route 66. There's so many stories on Route 66 that um, are going to disappear. And so one of the most valuable things I think about traveling Route 66 is to hear people's stories. From an eating contest in the Texas Panhandle to a morning on the Santa Monica Pier, We'll experience much of 66 while exploring how its past, present, and future are revealed through the people and places you'll find driving it today. I'm Evan Stern, and invite you to ride along by following Vanishing Postcards wherever you get your podcasts. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's get back into it. Well, your second episode came out June 23rd, 2019. And for whatever reason, your first episode is not available. I don't know why. Yeah. The first episode was kind of just a throwaway. It was just kind of a, cause I had the guest scheduled, but I wanted to make sure everything worked and everything. So we just did an episode to make sure it could like upload and it was going to, you know, I just wanted to make sure everything was going to work. Okay. And so, um, I just did that with my girlfriend and, um, we're talking about things that at the time were irrelevant, but now it's like, no, like there'd be no reason to go back and listen to it because it's like, we're talking about like songs and movies from three years ago. So it's kind of like out of date. And so I just, I think I just scrapped it. Gotcha. My first episode was with my mother-in-law and it turns out that that is, well, for a while it was the most popular episode of my show just because she told such great stories and people would share it around or whatever. I sort of did it kind of the reason that you did your first one. I want to make sure everything worked. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, with somebody that, you know, somebody that I knew and I was comfortable with. And if something fucked up, they wouldn't going to get all mad at me or whatever. Right. And then you could have redone it. She would have been fine, I'm sure. Absolutely. So I don't know how we found each other. I could not tell you. But what I will tell you is that I am very surprised in doing my research. We have, wait for it, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven, about to be eight guests in common Hmm. what do you think about that yeah i think that's what happened is uh i think i think you reached out to me first and you you commented on somebody that i had interviewed or something and i looked through your podcast and i realized i had listened to at least one or two of your episodes for research myself so i was like oh i've actually heard your podcast (laughs) and not realize it oh well how cool are you thanks buddy i do like your show but i'm super confused about well i'm confused about a lot of things so help me out here okay one why is video a component of your show why do you do a video podcast i would prefer to just do audio but i think that people like video the videos do well actually i would say yeah most of my biggest episodes are youtube episodes um they have thousands of views whereas like my biggest audio ones are are just hundreds it was one of my buddies convinced me he's a younger guy and he's like dude you got to get on youtube you really should be on youtube and i was like really why would anyone want to watch a podcast on a video i don't understand that but yeah he's like yeah you got to watch you got to get on youtube and i think you know now carolla's doing that stern's doing that rogan's doing that so it's like all these shows are going to video and so i think that's just the that's just the next uh, step. The evolution of podcasting is it's, it's going to be video. And then now I'm doing the short clips. I think it's kind of cool. I, I like that. I think people like being able to see the guests and interaction. And then I, with my YouTube, I add like, I've added pictures and occasionally short video clips, you know, if we're talking about something and it makes sense to have a pic, a visual with that. I don't know how many people appreciate that or use that myself. I usually just listen, even if I'm watching on YouTube, I usually minimize it and I'm doing other stuff and taking notes when I'm listening to podcasts. Yeah. I mean, it's just another Avenue. I try, I try to be on every, I'm literally on everything. Okay. I'm on every audio podcast. I'm on YouTube. I'm on every social media, Instagram, TikTok. I mean, it's weird to be on TikTok as a, a man in his forties, but you know, it's like, that's, it really is, but it's like, that's hard to figure out what the fuck to do with TikTok also. Cause I'm not doing dance challenges. I just post clips. Well, it's a TikTok has evolved too. Cause that's what it used to be. But now I post short clips of uh, my show and some of those have a lot of clicks. I mean, one of my, my most popular one has like 19,000 views, which is just crazy to me. But uh, I don't know that those necessarily translate into podcast followers or listeners, but you know, it's just another Avenue. You, I feel like you got to be on everything right now. It certainly feels that way for sure. Why do you do I don't know, fucking three, four, five, eleven D episodes a week. Why such an intense, crazy schedule? I just want to go all in. To me, that means making it like a full time focus, like a like a nine to five job, which and honestly, it's probably more than nine to five. It's more than forty hours a week for me. But I just feel like I like if I really want to give it a chance and see if this is something I can do and make it a career or whatever, or if it's going to lead to anything, I want to go all in. And also I just, I love it. 
I would do interviews every day if I could. I love doing the interviews. I hate doing all the editing and all the social media and all the other bullshit. I like doing the research and the interviews. Those are my two favorite things to do. Most of the rest of the stuff, I would love to someday have somebody else do it for me. But um, yeah, I love doing these interviews. Like, and that's the buildup to it, you know, like formulating the questions and the research and all that, the buildup to, and then actually getting to do the interview. It's like practice with a football team and then you get to play the game and the game's the most fun part. But, uh, you know, the buildup is part of that too. That makes sense. It's like your previous guest and my previous guest, Dusty Bo. I love Dusty, man. That guy, I honestly like, rad. I never told anybody this, but I, uh, I never, I didn't even tell Dusty this, but I actually thought of like, could I like manage him? Because I feel like he's so talented, but I just think it's like, he needs a little help. Like somebody needs to manage him and like get him booked on these festivals and these concerts and get him opening for big bands and get him out there so that people see him. Cause I think if people saw him, they'd realize how talented he is. And then I think he could have a good career. Maybe he's not going to be the Beatles, but uh, I think he ha he's a lot more talented than lesser bands that I see that are opening for big bands or playing on these festivals and things like that. Like, I think he should be a lot more popular than he is, but you know, it's just like, ultimately it's like, I, I couldn't give him my full focus and he deserves somebody who's going to give him a full focus. I think. Oh, to finish what I was saying about him, he said it on your show that he was really good at learning and playing songs, but when he was taking lessons and they gave him homework, he was like, what the fuck is this? The whole reason I'm a guitar player. So I don't have to do homework. And so he was terrible with the homework. Yeah. And so I was equating that to your really liking parts of the podcasting, but not, you know, necessarily the homework part. Now, as far as dusty, I think he's super talented and I think he's had a lot of experience. He's played at a lot of really great places. He's learned a lot. Um, kind of the business side along the way. Yeah. But he, I agree with you. I think he needs, somebody who can it doesn't even have to be festivals but somebody needs to set up just a series of shows for him that maybe even if it just pays him enough to get to the next show he needs somebody to set up a string of shows because that dude needs a following i, I agree with you well yeah i just i look at his spotify and i go wait why does this song not have this many and then i listen to other see other people's spotify's and their spotify's are now i know there's a lot of like fake stuff on the internet where people have what i saw this thing where the this video where some rapper had like a bunch of phones all lined up playing his song on repeat so that he got more views or plays or clicks or whatever on that so i don't know i'm sure there's some of that shit going on and clearly dusty is not doing that and i'm not saying he should do that but i think there's other ways to get your music out there i think playing live for him would be huge. i see a lot of me that's an issue with a lot of musicians i see that are very talented they put out good music but they're not touring. And I think if you don't tour, I don't think you're going to uh, be able to get your music out there because there's just, it just gets lost in a sea of music. <laughs> I agree. Let's talk about music for a second. Neither one of our shows are specifically focused on music, mm -hmm. but both of our shows are predominantly the guests are musicians. Yeah. Why? Why for you or why for me or both? Well, in, in that order, first, why for me? You would have to answer that one. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, then why for you? For me, I would say, so when I started, it was kind of a thing where I'm like, again, I was like, I'm just looking at the podcasts that I like to listen to or the shows like Howard Stern, Adam Carolla, Joe Rogan, and it's always guest-centered, and they have on a variety of guests. Like Howard Stern has on rock stars, he has on movie stars, he has on comedians, Rogan took it to a different level that I really like where he has on like scientists and authors and really interesting intellectual people. So when I started, it was like, okay, well, let me get this comedian. I think it was the first one. And then the second guy I had on was uh, Mark Scott, tr the drummer from Trickster. And so I kind of started with some musicians, but I kind of bounced around. And if, actually, if you look at my early episodes, it's like mostly comedians. There was like a time where I would go like 10 episodes without a musician so it was, it was funny because it was I felt like it was easier to book comedians back then. And now it's so much easier to book musicians. But I think the reason I got into more and more musicians is because it became easier to get the bigger and bigger musician names. And it's hard to turn those down. You know, when you get a PR notice for Ann Wilson of Heart, like, how do you not try to get her on the show? I mean, she's a legend. And so, you know, it's like a lot of those musicians. And also, I think that's what a lot of the audience wants to hear, like, those episodes do very well for me. So I clearly people enjoy it. 
I love interviewing musicians. I love music. I wish I could have a little bit more variety. I, I have some variety, but I, I wish it was a little more balanced. But yeah, for, for whatever reason, musicians are, are easier for me to get. And also, I will say this too, the music will get press on those like rock websites that have a lot of followers. And that's helped me a lot with a podcast. I think that's a big reason why I have the subscribers that I do. I know that probably like me, you have several publicists who come to you all the time and say, hey, here's this guest. Hey, here's that guest. Yeah. What was your reaction the very first time that a publicist reached out to you and said, hey, what do you think about this guest? Like the first time a publicist reached out to you, not necessarily the other way around. I'm trying to remember. I don't really remember that when it happened. I think it was like a gradual thing, probably like I reached out to them for a guest and then I think it's more that not that they're really reaching out, but they send out these notices and then they kind of like they're fishing. Occasionally, I, I do have this one PR guy that will like specifically reply to, hey, Chuck, do you want to interview this guest? And I probably take that stuff for granted more because I think when I first started, I mean, the fact that anybody would want to come on my podcast was like amazing. I do remember the first time I had a kid that he's like, hey, like I have some music and I'd love to come on your show and talk about it. And I was like, wait you're reaching out to me because you want to come on my podcast. I was like, that blew my mind. I was like, I didn't even listen to his music. I go, yes, I will. I will put you on the show. And then I listened to the music and I was like, okay, good. It's, it's actually pretty good music. So I was like, <laughs> oh, no. it's like, but it would have sucked if I had said yes. And the music was terrible. Well, let's talk about music. I haven't listened to all of your episodes, but I've listened to quite a few episodes with musicians. Your episode with Ted Nugent. I listened to your episode with Nancy from heart. Of course, I listened to the dusty bow episode. Is there a reason you don't play music on your show? It's an interesting question. Here's why I'm asking. So a lot of my shows are with musicians. And every single time that I have a musician on, I ask him if I can play a song. Either we'll be talking about a song and I say, oh, that's cool. Can I play it? Or the whole reason that their publicist reached out to me is because they're you know, promoting a song. And then I'll ask if I can play it. And you know, and I always say, Hey, can I play this? If not, that's cool. I'll just delete this request, but you know, can I play it? And they always say yes, except for one person said, he said, I don't have a problem with you playing it, but I'm only one fourth of the band. So I can't really speak for everybody else. And so I don't really feel comfortable. And I was totally cool with that made sense. Right. Mm. But he did let me play a different song from a different band that he was in. Hey, Streetwalkers, here's a word from our sponsors. Texas has a reputation for being tough on crime, but beneath the surface, buried in the darkness that only those affected by tragedy know, is the reality of a flawed and insufficient justice system. More than 60% of violent crimes in Texas go unsolved, and many are at the hands of offenders who should have never had the opportunity, madmen who slipped through the cracks. On Gone Cold Podcast, Texas True Crime, you'll find in-depth accounts of unsolved homicides, missing persons cases, and other mysteries throughout Texas. From the historic and perplexing case of the 1948 disappearance of a Denton co-ed, Virginia Carpenter, to the unthinkable, the Orange, Texas abduction and murder of four-year-old Denaria Finley in 2002. You can find and subscribe to Gone Cold, Texas True Crime, wherever you listen to podcasts. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's get back into it. So I have been doing this in July, like July 5th will be five years for me. And as of this recording, I have 306 episodes out. Of that 306 episodes, there's been 112 songs on my show. Nice. And I know that because I have a personal playlist that I keep on my phone. It's called the FSP playlist. And so it's every song that's ever been played on my show. I keep it on my phone as my personal playlist. I play it on my Sonos at my house and I'll play it in my truck or whatever, or I'll, you know, throw it in my earbuds when I'm working. And I fucking love that I've had that much music on my show. Some of them have been really cool. Like we both had on Don McLean. Everybody in the world plays that one song he's famous for, right? Everybody does. The day the music died. American Pie. Yeah. Yeah, But I asked him if I could play some other songs and he let me play like three songs on that show. And I mean, there's just something about it. I love it. Dusty Bo, I interviewed and he was putting together that uh, Vulture and the Fox album. And he, it was so fucked up. So we did the episode and I was like, Hey, you know, can I play one of the songs? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. I want you to play this one, but it's not quite done yet. So hold the episode until I finish it. And I was like, okay, cool. He's like, it should just be a couple of weeks. And then COVID hit and he couldn't finish the song in the studio. So I held it. I held that episode for like, I think it was 13 months (laughs) until he could get that song to me. Holy shit. It was so crazy because I was like, holy fuck, am I ever going to get to release this dude's episode? And then when he finally did send me the song and I heard and, and it was badass, it was super long too. It was like seven and a half minutes or something. It was awesome. I had to listen to the whole episode again. I'm like, what the fuck did we even talk about? Is there anything that's not even relevant anymore? Like, do I have to take anything out? And it was fine. But I guess I'm just asking, why don't you play music on your show? You have all these great musicians. Yeah. I mean, I I guess, first of all, I was always worried about the copyright issues. That was always my biggest concern was like, oh, if I play this, they're going to take it down. And so I just didn't even mess with it. And then um, now I feel like, I hear other people do it, so I guess it's okay. But I guess for me, I just want to like, I want to maximize my time talking to them. I always put the links in the show notes. So I feel like people can listen to the music after. I feel like I'd I'd rather build up to it and kind of tease the music. And then for people to go, oh, I got to hear this. Like I just had the band, the Black Moods on. They're a local Arizona band, but their last album had like four charting singles on the rock charts for whatever that's worth. But I got to listen to their uh, newest album that's not out yet. So we're talking about this album, and I don't think I w- would be even allowed to play a lot of the songs we're talking about because they're not out yet. So I think we're given a good tease, and I think that's kind of what I'm trying to do with my show when I have musicians on is kind of more like talk about the music and build it up and then let people search it out themselves if they want to. But that's just, yeah, it's just my own style for shows. I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't be opposed to playing music but i just feel like it, i don't know so like do you play the song like wouldn't you have the guest on and then you guys just both sit or you edit in later okay so here's the thing you know like you i've been listening to podcasts for fucking ever and one of the reasons that i decided to start my own show is that i listen to a bunch of fucking idiots and i'm like if these dumb bastards can do a show i can do a show and one of the things that i hate is when they waste the guests time even as far as live reads if I have you, your time is valuable, Chuck. I'm going to sit here and, and do an ad for whatever, fucking Velveteen shave rubbers. I mean, like, why do you need to hear that? You got shit to do. So, no, I don't. I just say, hey, can I play that song? And they're like, cool. And then usually I go, hey, do you want to introduce that song like you're a radio DJ? <laughs> and sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. And it's really fun when they do. Like we both had on Jeremy Popoff from Lit, right? Yeah, he's a great guy. And they had a new album coming out. I'm asking you why you don't have music. So when I reached out to Jeremy, it's because I heard him on the Adam Carolla show, right? 
And I was like, oh, this dude's fucking rad. And so I reached out to Jeremy and he put me in touch with his publicist or manager, whatever the fuck thing was his publicist. And the publicist said, yes, let's do it. But we want to wait until their new album comes out. And I was like, uh, all right, like, okay. And the reason that he wanted to wait is because they wanted me to play a single off that album. It was like the day after the single was released. So that was pretty cool. And so, like I said, hey, Jeremy, do you want to introduce it like your radio DJ? And he got all, <coughs> well, and it was really funny. And it was, it was, you know, great content or whatever. He, you know, he says, hey, here's the song off the new album, blah, blah, blah. And then I go, awesome. Thanks. That was amazing. And then we go on. And then later I put that shit in there because he doesn't need to fucking hear that song again. Uh-huh. You know, especially for like my own worst enemy. How many times has he heard that song? He's going to fucking sit and just stare at me and blink right. for two and a half minutes. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, to your point, I don't waste their time because their time is valuable. I can't even believe they're generous enough to share their time with me. So why would I waste it? What is the most pinch yourself guest you've had on your show? The one that made you go, holy fuck, I can't believe I got to talk to this person. So, okay, well, I'll tell you the story. So it actually is funny because uh, this is on uh, April 1st of last year, I believe. April Fool's Day. Yeah, well, so here's what happened. So we're sitting in the kitchen with my girlfriend, and I see my phone rings, and it's a Beverly Hills phone number. And I'm like, what the fuck? I was like, I don't know anybody in Beverly Hills. What the hell is that? So, But I was like, well, maybe it's a podcast thing. I don't know. Because I always put my phone number when I reach out to people. I always put my phone number at the end. Rarely does anyone ever call me. So I pick up the phone, and it's like, hi, is this Chuck Shoot? And I go, yeah. And then they're like, hey, this is John Karabi. And I was like, what the fuck? Like lead singer of Motley Crue for, I know only one album, but that was a, the era that I started to get into rock. And I really was a big Motley Crue fan. And before they even released that album, I was like, just, I was like, Oh man, I can't wait for this album. Like they had built it up so long. And then when I heard it, I was like, Oh, this is great. I love, it. I love Motley Crue. So for him to, it was so surreal that he just called me on the phone. Like, you know what I mean? Like most phone calls you get nowadays or telemarketers or it's, yes, it's, usually a bad, it's a bad thing, right? It's usually a bad surprise. It's always a surprise, but it's like a bad surprise. It's like, it's like somebody telling you bad news or trying to collect bills or whatever. Like it's never like, or somebody died or, you know, it's never, nobody ever calls you with good news very rarely. So for him to call me, that was like, that was a pinch me moment. And then I had him on the show and there was like at least once or twice where he just like, he was kind of blown away by my research. He's like, how the fuck do you know that? Like that was a pinch me moment for the guy that I had posters of on my wall as a kid for him to be complimenting the interview I'm doing. That was amazing. He's such a cool guy. I've met him twice after concerts and both times super cool to me, took pictures really nice. You know, I know they say like, don't meet your heroes, but I mean, I I say, fuck it. You got to meet your, you got to meet your heroes because it's like amazing. Well, speaking of, you know, being surprised when he called you on the phone. Oh, by the way, why did he call? To set up the interview. Yeah, I had reached out, like, I think a couple times before and it was ignored. Maybe he had new management. I don't know. But yeah, whatever, he got the request. And I think what happened was because I had had Rachel Bolin on, which also was a pinch me moment. And uh, we talked about Karabi and how Karabi had auditioned or was supposed to audition for Skid Row, but didn't make the audition. And that got a little bit of press. And so he said, he did say in our interview that he's like, yeah, I saw that. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And it's like Skid Row was my, literally my number one favorite band in high school for a period. I I would say now Guns N' Roses is probably my number one, but for a time there, Skid Row was number one. They were my favorite band and I love them. And so I'm, I think I'm on their Wikipedia twice with interviews I've done. That's kind of surreal too. That's pretty, that's a pinch me moment for sure. How did that happen? Because of interviews I did, it was like the John Karabi story, I guess, had never been revealed. That's in the Wikipedia. And also Jason McMaster from Dangerous Toys. I'd had him on the show. And uh, I guess he was offered to audition for Skid Row after Sebastian left. That got some headlines and then it made it into Wikipedia. Very cool. But I find getting pressed the hardest part. Yeah. It, well, the hard thing about that is like you just never know what they're going to be interested in. Like I just had the guitarist from Brett Michaels, uh, Pete Evick on the show. Super cool guy. I love that guy. Previous guest of my show. Yeah. Has he been on yours too? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I probably listened to your episode then. Yeah. He's super cool guy, but we talked about, he was telling me the story about how Brett was offered to sing for Aerosmith 
And I thought that was like a big, and I was Googling. I was like, is this a real story? Like I was, I was Googling and I couldn't find anything about that on the internet. So I thought that was a, that I had just uncovered a giant story, but none of the rock websites went with it. So I guess it wasn't big news. I don't know. How did the rock websites find your stuff? Yeah, you can send it to them. If you, if you think you've got a news story or, you know, you think you've got something, sometimes I think, eh, there's nothing on this. And then the next day it's in the, it's on blabbermouth. And I'm like, how the fuck did they, but somebody probably somebody else saw it, or maybe they're some of the people at the website, they probably listen to some podcasts. If they're a big fan of the guests, I think that also depends. Like if the website is a big fan of whoever you're interviewing, they may listen themselves and they may do a story. So cool. What's the biggest surprise you've learned on your show? Like from the source, those are two great examples, but I'm going to say, give me a different one where you learned something that you never knew and you got to hear it straight from the horse's mouth and it blew you away. Yeah, there's so many of those. Like, I mean, just the other day I had Chuck Wright on from uh, who's a bass player for Quiet Riot. And also he's in some other bands too. But he told me one time he was at the Cat House and, uh, you know, Ricky Rackman's club or whatever. And it was like, you know, that's where all the 80s rockers would go back in the day. And he said he remembers when he went to the bathroom and Axl Rose was handing out flyers like, hey, listen to my band. It's, it's called Guns and Roses. You should check it out. Like, and that kind of blew my mind just to like, obviously they didn't start out from nowhere. I mean, they had to start from somewhere, but it's just weird to picture that like actually happening that Axl Rose actually was like promoting his band. I mean, you kind of figured that he was too cool for that. Even back then he would just be like, well, we're just going to play the shows. And, and then they just got popular. That's I never thought that he was the kind of guy that had to like, actually like, Hey, listen to my band and hand out flyers. But everybody has to start from scratch like that. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it's it's interesting that he turned into not that guy. <laughs> it's interesting what fame will do to somebody. I mean, I've never met him, but I can't imagine that nowadays he would go, "Hey, man, listen to my band. Check it out. Come to my." I, you know, I can't. No, he's he's much more subdued. Yeah, I think from what I understand, just from doing these interviews, it seems like fame really accentuates who you are. So, like, if you're an asshole. And you get famous and rich, you're going to be a bigger fucking asshole. If you're like a really nice guy at heart and you get rich and famous and successful, you're still going to be, you're just going to probably be like Alice Cooper. Like he's so, everyone that talks about Alice Cooper tells me how great he is and he does all these charity things and he, he helps so many people and he's so nice and, you know, provides all these jobs for people and such. That's my opinion. I don't think the money and success changes people. I think it just accentuates what their personality already is. It's like alcohol. Exactly. Exactly. You know, like if you get all drunk and you want to fist fight somebody, then yeah. that means you're a dick. <laughs> but if you get all drunk and you just want to hug somebody. <laughs> yeah. That's me. I'm more like a happy drunk. You're a hugger. Some people I feel like are fine. They're totally normal people. And then they get drugs or booze in them. And they, yeah, they, it's like a Jekyll and Hyde thing. I've seen that too, where it's like very bizarre. Like they're not like that at all. Maybe deep down they are. And then that's, that's their true character. I don't know. So. What about being a podcaster has surprised you the most? Like about doing podcasts or? Yeah. What surprised you the most once you jumped with both feet into podcasting? You're like, holy fuck, I had no idea that dot, dot, dot. I would say how hard it is, how hard it is to get people to listen to your fucking podcast. Like, because I think I had this idea in my mind. I had these numbers, like all, uh, you know, research, like how much money do you need to make a living off of podcasting? Okay. I got to reach this number. Okay. Well, I'll just break it down. Okay. So if the first year I, I get this many listens and the second year I get this many and the third I, and, and so on and so forth. And it's like, yeah, it does not work that way. <laughs> At least for me, it's very difficult. And then it's like those things where you're like, okay, I got David Duchovny on the show. Like this guy is an Emmy award winner. I listened to that one yesterday. Holy fuck. That was a great episode. Yes. Thank you. It is really, it's one of my best because of him, not because of me. It's just, he's so He's like a, the D Snyder, the Ted Nugent. These guys are just natural entertainers. Like you see why they're big stars. Cause they just have that persona where they just, they, they just are born entertainers and they're so likable, but you figure like you get a guy like Duchovny or you Billy Bob Thornton or, you know, Ted Nugent. I listen to that one too. Yeah, yeah. It's like you get these guys <laughs> and the, these episodes are phenomenal because they're such big guests and they're just, like I said, natural entertainers. So you don't even have to do a lot of work. You sit back and let them riff but you land that guess and then you're like, okay, I did it. I made it. I'm in the big time now. I got David Duchovny. I got Billy Bob Thornton. I did it. I'm in the same. Yeah, I'm set. It's me and Adam Carolla. I'm set. 
Yeah, it's Adam Carolla. Like, I literally, I just had Jack Carr on, who's an author. He wrote The Terminal List, sequels to that, and the show. The book is going to be turned into a show on Amazon with Chris Pratt. He was like a SEAL or some shit, right? Yeah, he's a Navy SEAL. I had that guy on like two weeks ago. He just did Rogan's show after he did mine. So me and Rogan have the exact same guess, but Rogan's way bigger. It's like, it doesn't, there's no like one guest or like one magic moment. It, it's hard. You've got to grind and grind. And Rogan's been doing the business, you know, he started the, the acting and the MMA stuff and all that. I mean, he's been doing all that shit for what, like 30 years or something. Mm -hmm. So yep. it takes a long time. It, it's, if you're thinking about getting into podcasting, you're not going to be Joe Rogan overnight. It's it's going to take a very long time, if ever, you know. And so I think that was the biggest wake up call to me. But at the same time, I will say I'm seeing growth with my show every month. You know, I see the downloads are increasing, the views are increasing, the subscribers are increasing, all those things. So that's really cool to see. I just wish it was a little bit, you know, I wish we could pick up the pace a little. I wish it was a little more downloads, a little, little bit more subscribers, but uh, it's really cool to see that growth. I encourage anyone to, whether they don't want to start a podcast or a YouTube channel, start a business or something that you can see that's your baby or you can see it grow. It's really it just, to me, that's like the greatest feeling in the world. Love it. Hey, Streetwalkers, here's a word from our sponsors. You know those popping phone handle things that you see on everyone's phones nowadays? Well, how would you like to put your logo on them? Does your podcast or band need new merch? Do you want to bring attention to your new book or film? Maybe you need something unique for your Patreon or crowdfunding campaign. Then visit thelogopop.com where you can customize them with the logo of your podcast, band, business, art, school mascot, or whatever else you can think of. These are way more affordable than you may think at thelogopop.com. Mention where you heard this ad and get free shipping on your entire order. Remember, that's thelogopop.com to order your custom popping phone handles. That's thelogopop.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Let's get back into it. Why don't you have ads? I've listened to a bunch of your shows. I've never heard a single ad. I do have ads on YouTube. I've just recently monetized the YouTube channel. Once you hit a thousand subscribers, you can monetize it through YouTube and they put in their little ads or whatever. And I get a little piece of that. I have not put ads on the audio yet simply for the fact that is not my main focus right now. My main focus is growing the podcast back to your point earlier about, you know, what are you doing for money and stuff? Like my main focus is just growing the podcast. I'm thinking long-term, right? As long as I can pay my bills and everything right now and survive, which I'm doing, I'm okay. I just want to really focus on growing the show Later, I will get to that point where I try to make money off it. Right, right now, if I did make money, it would just—I probably put it right back into the show just to try to grow it. I mean, that's all these successful people tell me. Oh, the, you know, do what you love, and the money will come later. So, I hope that's right. I'm gonna—I'm gonna be patient. Nice. At the very end of your show, you do two things every single time. One of the things you do is you say, "Shoot for the moon." Mm -hmm. Why? What is that? So I was a counselor for 17 years and I, I knew that I wasn't happy. So I was going to like go into like a private counseling. Well, private counseling, you got to get licensed. It's a pain in the ass. So I was like, all right, well, what if I just call myself a life coach or something like that? So I kind of started this coaching business and I called it shoot for the moon just because it, you know, it's like my last name shoot. It's like 
shoot for the moon. I, you know, it's like kind of helping people like achieve their goals and their dreams and all that stuff. I still have that, you know, I have like some social media for that and stuff. I haven't really focused on that because again, I'm focusing on growing this podcast, but that's always kind of on the the back burner. Once this podcast, if it ever, if this podcast ever gets really off the ground to where it's just a smooth running machine, I would like to go back to the shoot for the moon stuff and use that to help people and coach people to, you know, follow their dreams, whether that be podcasting or writing a book or starting a business or whatever. I think that's still kind of a, a little bit of a theme of, of my show and my life is just like, you know, I want people to follow their dreams. And that's what I think my show encompasses with all the guests is like all these people that have followed their dreams and they're, they're doing it. They're doing great things. Obviously some had a lot more success maybe years ago, but a lot of them are still touring or, or doing something creative and following their dreams. And so I just think that's really cool. I think that's like a big problem that's lacking in society. And again, I worked in the schools for 17 years. So I saw this with kids is like, there's just no like ambition or direction. Like I feel like if everyone had a goal or something that they were trying to do, I feel like the world would be a better place. So I just encourage people to do that. Please just don't start a podcast. We can't have any more. <laughs> there's too many already. <laughs> do anything but a podcast. The first time I heard you say shoot for the moon, it reminded me of the great Mary Kay Ash. You familiar with who that is? No. Mary Kay, the makeup lady. Oh, yeah. Okay. I've heard of that. Yeah. So Mary Kay, hugely successful female entrepreneur. She changed millions of lives. She's super dope. And one of the things that she used to say is shoot for the moon, because even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. Right. That's the full saying. That's I love it. That's the rest of that saying. Yeah. So that's where I think I saw that poster. I feel like the counselor I used to work with, I think he had that poster in his, on his wall. And so I think maybe that's what where it stuck with me. But yeah, so that's kind of the full thing for that. Was that poster next to the one with the cat in the tree and it says hang in there? No, but that is a, that's a very cliched poster as well. Yes. The other thing that you do at the very end of your episodes is you ask a guest to promote a charity. Why? it's funny. No one's ever asked me these questions. I kind of like it though. Cause like, yeah, I'm always like, don't people wonder that? I always thought that people might wonder that, but yeah, the thing with the charity is I think just again, like I think with starting the podcast, like I ultimately my goal is like to make the world a better place. Like I try to live my life. Like you wake up every day, like, am I making the world better or worse? And so I think with the charity, at least I'm trying to make the world a little bit better. And I think the thing with the charity is that Usually people promote, unless they're promoting some political cause or candidate, which, you know, rarely happens, but usually it's a charity that we can all get behind, right? Like soldiers, PTSD stuff, like homeless kids or, you know, starving children or, or, uh, you know, cancer or all these things that of course they're all problems that we all want to solve. And it's just one of those things. It's just one more thing that people could think about. And maybe they're not going to donate the money, but at least they're thinking about this and we can raise awareness of the, of these, some of the stuff that people tell me about, I'm like, I had no idea that was a problem. I had no idea of this. And some of the charities are really cool. Like I had this guy on who he does like special effects for movies and he promoted a charity that they help kids in wheelchairs make really cool Halloween costumes. I fucking love that. I think that is the coolest idea. I love stuff like that. I just love things that are making the world a better place. I, I, we got enough negativity out there. You know, if we can do something good for the world, I think we should do more of that. I, you know, there's so many famous people uh, that I feel like they don't use their platform for good ever. It's just weird to me. I'm like, if I had a lot of money, if I had fame, I would use that to help people at least some of the time, like, like Alice Cooper. I mean, that guy is a prime example. He does his like Christmas pudding concert, raises money. He, he does the Alice Cooper school of rock where they get all these uh, kids, uh, teach them how to play rock and stuff like that and get them off the streets and give them something to do that are, you know, get them interested in music. So stuff like that, I just think it's really cool. Well, I also think it's cool. That's why I asked. Sometimes they'll tell you why, but most of the time that I've listened to your show, they don't tell you why. They just say the name of a charity. And so this is none of my fucking business. This is just a friendly suggestion. As a greedy listener, ask them why. That's a good question. Yeah. Sometimes I know, sometimes, sometimes they do tell me like, Hey, I had this kid that, you know, but I mean, other times I feel like it, yeah, it kind of goes without saying like when they want to, you know, when they, a lot of them, uh, St. Jude's is a big one. It's like, I think, uh, you know, it's just, yeah, I guess I could ask that, that question. Why I guess sometimes I don't want to, because wanna... it'll get them to tell a, a story, yeah. maybe even one that's personal to them. And I, that's just more good content for the greedy listener. Yeah. yeah. 
Sometimes they do. And then I feel like when they don't, then I feel like it's almost like maybe they're not telling me for a reason. I don't know. Like sometimes, cause that could be a very personal thing, you know? And so I would think that, yeah, see to me, if somebody asked me that, I would say I would give them the reason, but um, yeah, a lot of times they don't. And I don't know, maybe I feel like I'm kind of prying if I ask that, but I'll try to fill that out a little bit more. And, and cause I, I kind of wonder that myself and that's kind of part of the reason I would do it is like, because it's about the guest too. It's like, you know, why is that charity near and dear to your heart? Why of all the, there's so many freaking charities, sorry, fucking charities. There's so many fucking charities out there. Like, why do you pick that one? See, the thing is too, is I can kind of tell sometimes they just pick something because they're like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. The children's hospital, like they're not really into it. They don't care. And, uh, and that's fine. And I, I, you know, I don't, I get why some people are annoyed with that or don't care or whatever. I, I get annoyed personally. Like when I go to Walgreens or whatever and they're like, Hey, you want to donate $5 to the, I'm like, yeah, you want to buy a red fucking nose? It's like, fuck no, off. Like I you don't. guys are a billion dollar company and I don't make shit. It's like, why don't you donate the $5? You know, what's funny is that they get everybody's $5 and then they donate it in their name. Right. And then they get a write off. They're like, oh, cool. Walgreens. Yeah. Walgreens donated a million dollars. It's such a, I hate that shit. <laughs> and how much of their money actually goes to the charity? That's the other thing I, I question. I don't know how much, uh, I mean, who knows what's going on with that stuff. And, and maybe like, you know, they're getting people to donate to this charity and that charity is doing something for Walgreens. Maybe the, that charity is saying, Hey, uh, we're going to use all Walgreen products in this or whatever. You know, it's like, I think there's a lot of shady shit like that. So right, and that's whatever. the other thing that's, that kind of sucks. Cause when you ask the guests, you know, I don't know if they vetted these charities, but, um, I mean, all I can do is try to help people donate money to good causes. And, uh, you know, because like a, a lot of, uh, I've had a few people, you know, mention Planned Parenthood and I'm like, I get a little bit uncomfortable with that because yeah, Nancy Wilson did. Yeah. But I understand, you know, for her, it's near and dear to her heart. And so I want to respect that. Whereas other people, they would be totally against Planned Parenthood. So, and that's the whole thing is like, I don't want things to be divisive on my show. That, the whole thing about the charity is it would usually bring people together. So yeah, I don't know. It's kind of, it's, it's weird, but I, I, at the same time, I'm like, I have to respect that. Like that's something that's near and dear to her heart. And so that's what she wants to promote. I'm going to respect, I'm not going to edit that out or whatever. Like that's her thing. Nice. Well, I love it. And I love hearing the story. When they do tell a story, I love hearing why it's important to them. Oh, yeah. So keep doing that, dude. Keep doing that. Oh, I love it too. Chuck, shoot. Where did the time go, my friend? I don't know. Oh. We have a time limit? We got to get going? Well, I actually, I have an, another thing here. <laughs> oh, you do? You have another podcast? Yeah, I have another interview in six minutes. Wow. Look at you. Buddy, I have had a blast. Is there anything that we didn't talk about or I didn't ask you about that you wanted to talk about today? Like specifically, did I miss anything? No, it's funny. You actually, I've always wondered, I kept wondering, like, why does no one ever ask me about the things that you asked me? So no, I think you did a very good job, very comprehensive. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I can't think of anything you missed uh, other than just tell people to subscribe to my show and listen to my show after they listen to yours, of course. What's it called and where can people find it? It's just called, again, the Chuck Shoe Podcast. It's on YouTube. It's on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, all that shit. It's on every podcast app. I, I think there's some stuff I'm on that I don't even know I'm on, but I think Spotify, YouTube, and Apple are probably the three biggest. That makes sense. I remember I freaked out the first time I said, I was trying to get her to play the song by The Cure, but I said, hey, Alexa, play Fascination Street, and she played my show, and I went, what the fuck? <laughs> So I'm with you. I'm super surprised every time I find out I'm somewhere. Yeah. Everybody scroll down to the show notes. You can find all of Chuck's social media tags and his website. And again, the name of the show is the Chuck shoot podcast. And I highly recommend it. Like I said, we have a lot of guests in common, but they're wildly different interviews. Every episode that we share a guest I've listened to, they're completely different. His questions and his stories with the guests are completely different than mine. Look, our shows are very similar. Like there's no getting around that. They're very, very similar. And so if you like one, you're going to like the other. I highly recommend it. Go check out the Chuck Shoot podcast available everywhere. And Chuck, man, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day and your hectic podcasting schedule to hang out and let us get to know you a little bit better on Fascination Street, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. And so I'm like honored to be a guest. It's always weird when somebody wants to have me on as a guest. Cause I, I don't think I'm that interesting, but I'm really 
grateful that you think that I am. So I appreciate it. Well, I, I took a shot. I was hoping that you were based on everything I heard on your shows. And I was not wrong, man. You got this. You're a fascinating individual, my friend. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Steve. I'll see you later. All right, buddy. All right. I'll talk to you later, man. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Opening music is the song Magnolia from the 2001 album Intransigence, used with permission from Douglas Miles Clark. Closing music is from the song Say My Name off the 2021 album Underdog Anthems, used with permission from Jax Hollow. If you like the show, tell a friend. Subscribe and rate and review the show on iTunes and wherever else you download podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel. All the episodes are available there as well. Check me out on Vero at Fascination Street Pod and TikTok at Fascination Street Pod. And again, thanks for listening. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.